Good morning, church. Good morning. Am I on? Did they go off? You're on. Well, as we've said many times before, that there are numerous benefits from studying the attributes of God. And since there's numerous benefits, I don't see a reason to stop now. Um, <clears throat> you know, the attributes of God, they really reflect God's character, God's nature. And they teach us not only of his unmeasurable love for us, but they also aid us in understanding in part that nature. This morning, I would like to review some of the attributes of God as, ex as exemplified in the Beatitudes. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come to you with open ears and open hearts. We pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way in each life here today. That we may be transformed to be more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, may you anoint your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Beatitudes are presented as the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which begins in Matthew chapter 5 and, then, and continues through Matthew chapter 7. And as we have or will study each of these attributes in depth in other sermons, I will not delve into... Uh, deeply into each one, but rather only ensure that we understand what each attribute is being spoken about. Now, it might be a little bit difficult at first on the surface to, to see the attribute in the Beatitudes. But when we look at the heart behind the Beatitudes, I think we see then what God's heart is, what his attributes are, what his nature is. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, I think we see compassion. Blessed are, the poor in spirit, oh, <laughs> blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Many people define the word blessed as happiness. And happiness certainly is a byproduct of God's blessing. But God's blessing goes far beyond just plain happiness. It involves his favor, his willingness to come near to us and to dwell with us. And what did Jesus mean by poor in spirit? I think he meant we must be humble in our spirits. If we put the word humble in place of the word poor, I think we understand what he meant. When we come to God, we must realize our own sin and our spiritual emptiness and poverty. In and of myself, I have nothing to bring to God. I have nothing to earn his favor or his blessing. We must not be self-satisfied or proud in our heart. Matthew 5, 12, verse 20 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. How many times did Israel rebel against God? And yet, in Matthew 23, 37, 
it's recorded Jesus' lament that they would not repent. He was still willing. He's still willing today to all who repent to gather them to himself. Whatever your spiritual struggle today, whatever your sin, God still desires to love, protect, and fight for you. He still desires to bring victory, complete victory into your life. You are incalculably precious to him. You are a pearl of great price. In Matthew 5, verse 4, we see him as comforter. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. John 14, verses 16 through 18, Jesus is recorded as saying, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, literally comforter, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know, since the Father gives us his Holy Spirit as comforters, we do not mourn as the world mourns. Do I mourn the loss of my job? Certainly. Am I in despair? No. Am I depressed? No. Because I know that whatever the devil means for evil, God will turn it to my good. That's what it says in Romans 8. All things work together for good to those who love him. I believe that God is opening a new door to a new period of my life. I am walking in faith, seeking his face, and I knock at the doors that I come across that he will open the correct one for me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, we see God is trustworthy. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, literally the land. You know, meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. And therefore, without disrupting or, dis, or disputing or resisting, the result of understanding this is that God is trustworthy. You see, I could not have the peace I have today. I could not walk in the faith I walk today if God wasn't a trustworthy God. I could not face life meekly if I didn't know I had a strong right arm behind me holding me in the palm of his hand. Matthew 5, verse 6, we see God is righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We could accurately restate this as blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right standing with God, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? Obviously, right standing, righteousness. One cannot give what one does not possess. 
God provides us with his righteousness because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as another scripture says, therefore we can come boldly to his throne of grace in time of need. Merciful. I like this one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You know, there's no word in the English language that accurately describes the Greek word mercy. It implies benevolence, tenderness, mildness, pity, compassion, and clemency, but is only exercised towards offenders. It's not a feeling or an emotion, but it is an action. It is living out the daily experience of compassion towards others who don't deserve it in our lives. Matthew 5.8, pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, in Romans 3.10 it says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Genesis 6.5 says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, literally all day long. None of us are naturally pure of heart. We're not born pure of heart. We can't work our way to become pure of heart. Therefore, in our own righteousness, or perhaps more accurately, the lack thereof, none of us can ever see God. This is reflected by holiness. Holy literally means set apart. I guess you could almost say, you know where it says that when we repent, Jesus or God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west? That's set apart. And those, that same sin sets us apart from God like that. It's only through the righteousness imparted in receiving salvation by faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as our personal sacrifice for our sins that changes our natural condition. When we inherit Christ's nature, we inherit pureness of heart. And I just want to sidetrack for a minute because this doesn't talk, now I'm not talking so much about the, the, the character of God, but I want to talk about the fact that you possess a pure heart. You see, so often when temptation comes, we try to fight it in our own strength. But what does temptation really attack? What was it that the Apostle Paul said that he struggles against? That which I would, I would not. That which I wouldn't, I do. I do. But it is no longer I that do it. He's making the differentiation between who he was before Christ and who he is after Christ. So the victory isn't in struggling against the temptation that assails the old man. Because the old man is under the law and you will fail every time. No, 
The victory is in remembering who you are in your new person, in your new creature, in your new man. You have a pure heart. It is your nature to think pure thoughts. It is your nature to be all the things that the beatitude talks about because you were raised in newness of life in the image, the spiritual image of Christ Jesus. And it's because God is pure in heart that he has our best interests at his heart. Matthew 5, 9. He's a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You've maybe heard the comment that the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree or the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. We are peacemakers because God is a peacemaker. We were at enmity with God, and he made peace with us by providing his son, Jesus Christ. It's not in our old nature to make peace. That's why we experience so much war and violence in our world. It's our new nature that seeks peace. Our new nature makes us adopted as sons of God. And I would like to point out that as peacemakers, where we walk, there shall be peace. We bring peace into unpeaceful situations because we bring the Holy Spirit with us. Where you walk, there shall be peace. And finally, Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. He is a rewarder. It's his nature to reward us. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great, great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In the New Testament, the kingdom of God and the, and the kingdom of heaven, those phrases are used interchangeably. And as we said earlier, the kingdom of God is at enmity with the kingdom of the world. So persecution for Christians isn't a matter of if, but a matter of when. John records Jesus' words. John 15, verses 19 through 21. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. But all these things they do will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. We will all be persecuted at some time or another, in various degrees depending on what we're doing and where we are. But you can't serve God and not upset the world. If we were to complete this study on the Sermon on the Mount, 
we would see that Jesus begins teaching on God's heart, his attributes, his nature, and continues teaching saying that it's the heart that matters. If we are to be like Jesus, then we are to have the same heart as Jesus has, the same attributes that Jesus has. John 14, 7 through 9, Jesus said that if we've seen him, we have seen the Father. So that means we should have the same heart and the same attributes that our Father has. The Beatitudes are a matter of the heart. And they not only tell us who God is, but they tell us who we are as well. It's not a list of this is what you should be like. It's a list, this is who you are if you are in Christ Jesus. And in every case, we are victorious when we are exhibiting the attributes of Christ. You know, the devil thought he defeated Jesus. He was wrong. The devil might think he's defeated you. He's equally wrong. You might think he's the devil's defeated you. In that, you're wrong. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we give you praise. What else can we do? You created us. You created this world. You hold this universe together by the, by, by the, the word of your mouth. You created us for your pleasure. And you made it our pleasure to be your pleasure. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for showing us today a little bit better who we are in Christ. Thank you for showing us today your heart towards us. How much you love us. That you should adopt us to be your, your sons. that you should grace our lives with your blessings. Father, for anybody struggling this morning with anything, I declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every situation. And I lose I lose the answer that you have sent in Jesus' name. Whether it's healing, sickness, financial, spiritual struggles, I declare that the Holy Spirit shall shine his light and bring clarity and bring peace and bring victory to each situation. In Jesus' name.
We give you thanks and praise, Father. Amen.